This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. <laughs> Uh, we are here with uh, Steve Kudlow, Lips from Anvil. And uh, you have a new album out, right? Well, it'll be out, what, February 21st, I think it is? Oh, actually, February 14th. That's what oh, they tell oh. me. Oh, I, I just looked it up on Amazon and said 21st, so I guess it's different over where you are. <laughs> well, where, uh, where are you? Uh, I'm in New York. Well, it should be coming out the 14th. That's yeah. what it says for everywhere. Maybe maybe on Amazon because it, they wait a week before. That's when they oh. deliver. Then that's what it is. Then, mm-hmm. yeah, can't trust Amazon for anything. I guess. No. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this is. Uh, I was reading up some stuff. This is a nineteenth album. Eighteenth. Eighteenth album. Wow. Jeez. I didn't realize you had so many albums out already. <laughs> well, <it's laughs> a- We've only been around about 45, just, 43 years. Yeah, so. just a few years, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what it is? I'm 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 not new-new, but um, when the movie came out, that's when I really got interested in you guys. And um, I didn't know you had uh, so many albums out when that movie came out already. I was like, oh, my God. When I when I finally saw the movie and I get into you guys and I tracked down every single album that you own, I was like, oh, my God. I didn't realize like these guys have really had a lot of stuff out. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know what the the business the business really fucked us over real good. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you know, and and in doing so, you know, you couldn't get you know you couldn't get the production and kind of thing done the way it really should, because of lack of money and the way that you know you have to scribe your way through, right? Right. Yeah. You know, record companies that generally all from overseas, Mm. you know, everything was done on our own. Right. So, you know, the distribution, particularly in the USA, was virtually none. Right. (laughs) So it's not, it's not, uh, it's not really anybody's fault. It's just the way that things worked out. Right. Yeah, is that that period in time where it was just like everybody was having problems? I think really, right? Well, once the nineties hit, yeah, yeah. obviously, of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, which is funny because fundamentally, I mean, the, what really, what actually happened? Of course, we did the first three albums, and we gained a lot of a lot of recognition very quickly. Right, in the first three albums and. And uh, it got to the point where, and we were signed to an independent label, label right, yeah. in Canada with yeah. no distribution in the USA. But yeah. what eventually happened, there was a lot of of um, of recognition, particularly from Kerrang magazine and Sounds magazine in the UK, hmm. which drew the attention of the big time management company David Krebs, Lieber and Krebs, which is. Ted Nugent, Aerosmith's management, right? Yeah, and of course they, they of course they got really interested. Uh, you know, they had connections with the Kerrang magazine people, which is ultimately Ross Helfen. I don't know if you don't know who that mm-hmm. is, yeah, a very course. very famous famous photographer. And Ross went to David and said, "Listen, you got to check out this band from Canada because, of course." Ross and Pete Mikowski, who is known as Toots Daily, came to Canada uh, before the uh, the release of Metal on Metal, and they met with us, and they really it really blew up pretty big in in the, in the UK. And that, of course, they went and told David he's got to check us out. So we were in recording 
uh, our third album. And the next thing you know, there's a phone call from Lieber and Krebs management company telling us we got to come to Los or we got to come to down in New York and that area and do five shows with Aerosmith. So right away we're going, Oh wow. Okay. So we leave in the middle of recording the third album and go and do these five dates with Aerosmith. And of course, now David Krebs wants to sign the band. Everybody's all, you know, we're all psyched out, just going, wow, this, we're going to hit the big time. It's all, this is all great. Yeah. And, you know, the the third album comes out and it's kind of like lukewarm, lukewarm reception. Mm. Basically, and fundamentally, it's it's five years ahead of its time. Right. Yeah. Kind of album. And the record companies in the USA are going, what the fuck is this? Okay. Uh, David Krebs has everybody come down and come see us and at the Aerosmith shows and stuff. And, and he's, he's getting offers from the major labels. And then, you know, when he goes to look at it, they want the first three albums for free. Wow. Well, of course he goes to the record company, the, the independent Canadian record label and says, listen, give them, give your, give the first three albums to the, American labels for free, and the guy looks at him. What are you out of your fucking mind? <laughs> we just we just paid for three albums. We're we're just starting to recoup. What do you mean? Give right. it to him for free? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, of course, what David did, he talks the label into dropping the band, hmm. and he figured, well, I'll get I'll get Anvil a, a record deal in the USA, and we'll continue on. Well. No one was interested because they couldn't get the first three albums for free because mm. they wanted to use the money that was going to be generated from those three records being sold to right. to uh, basically fund the, the up-and-coming album. But, of right. course, they couldn't get the, the, the label to release or to, or to sign the records over for free. And there we were in 1983 finished our third record and now we're out of a record deal and pulled out of the out of the whole system for four years <laughs> and the four most important years in metal history right yeah and, and then everybody and then at the end of the day oh you guys are no good you guys suck and you got and it's like it's all our fault right right yeah <laughs> and, and, and we're left stranded at, in 1987. Uh, we finally, we finally, uh, kind of pull ourselves, our shit together. And of course, too little, too, too late. In the, in a certain sense, we had, we had to go and, uh, produce our own record and go back to our first, uh, the first studio that we had first worked in and did a, where it did an album. So we had a, we had to go instead of doing a good, good old 32 track, <laughs> we're doing, or a 24 track, we're doing a 16 track recording. Wow. And by doing it all by ourselves after we just finished with an English producer. So we put out that we, we, we kind of muster up a deal by the time 1987, 88 comes around with Metal Blade Records, which is, of course, whatever. Um, and, you know, we had, we had a, a song Mad Dog and we had all this stuff and, you know, like, we're, we're trying to get a major deal and we're going to, of course, all of our old friends like, like Johnny Z, which is crazed management, anthrax management. He's, yeah. he's going, listen, man, you got a, some great songs here, some great ideas and all that. But, you know, I'm, I've got my hands full. I've got, I've got a, a half a dozen bands I'm working with. Uh, like good luck, guys. Mm. So there we were ending up on Metal Blade and having Metal Blade push push a, a, a band that's lost its momentum was like having an ant, an ant pushing the Empire State Building. It's just <laughs> not it's not going to happen, you know? Right, yeah. Um, I wonder how many uh, of the other bands that he had over, like, how many other bands that he had, uh, how many of them, like, actually survived? Like, do you know, like, other, other bands that he had, like, are they still around today or no? Who's that, Johnny Z? Yeah, yeah. Well, Johnny Z had Overkill, he had Anthrax. Yeah, had... like the usuals, but like the things, maybe there's some bands that we don't know about that you could have probably took their, you know, their spot and you're, cause you're still around, you know? Yeah, yeah, I've outlived quite a number of the things that he did have, true enough. 
And believe it or not, he absolutely adores Anvil. I mean, Johnny Z is still, a, you know, a, a great fan and a great friend. But, you know, like I say, you know, you're just, a, it's too, too little, too late. You just, mm. it's, it's just too bad. Shit didn't come together. And then, of course, that put us into a state of obscurity and we had to do records all on our own. And it wasn't until, you know, we put out, of course, finally got our record deal overseas on um, uh, an independent German label called Massacre, put out a good six or seven albums. <laughs> so by the time we were ready to put out our 13th, go and record our 13th album, I, we get a call. I get a call from an old friend that, um, that, that we knew that we was a roadie that we had roadieing for us that we met at the marquee in London, England when he was 15 years old and we had taken him all over the, all over the, all over Quebec and Ontario and parts of New York state back in the, in, in 85 mm. and 86, he, uh, he had grown up and gone to university and become a screenwriter and ended up, ended up writing a, a, a script for Steven Spielberg and became quite successful. He picks up the phone and he goes looking for his old buddies in Anvil. And I pick up the phone and it's, you know, Sasha Gervasi and he's going, okay, let's get together. So I, he, I go, okay, get together. How do you mean? Where are you? He goes, well, I'm down in LA. And I go, what the fuck? You're from, you're from the UK. What are you doing in LA? I have no idea what the hell he's up to or what he's been doing. Nothing. Right. So I, he goes, listen, I'm going to send you a, an airline ticket to come and I want you to come visit me in, L, in LA. And I'm going, what do you mean? <laughs> Where have you got money to pay for something like that? He goes, don't worry about it. Okay. Just it's coming. Mm. The next thing, the next day, sure enough, there's an American airline airline ticket that gets delivered to me by FedEx. I get on the airplane the next day and the next thing I know I'm standing on the on the platform outside LAX and I take a look and there he is a 35-year-old man growing up from the teenager that I last knew. Right. But I can tell obviously it's the same guy and I'm going holy shit. You know, I get into the car and I go what the fuck what's going on man? And, and it's like and of course, being the close friends that we were, we just kind of picked up where we left off. And he starts telling me as we're driving in Sean Connery's old Jaguar. Wow! Okay, he starts telling me I worked for Steven Spielberg. I wrote the movie. I wrote the movie The Terminal. I went, "What the fuck? You're kidding me!" I just saw that movie. I I, I saw your name there, but it it just didn't register. I, I couldn't right. believe the fuck was happening so of course we hung out the whole weekend absolutely amazing time and of course i brought down a whole all the records that of course he hadn't heard and all this stuff and he takes me over to his buddy's place this uh, a guy by the name of steve zalian who's actually the uh, a, a script and screenwriter that that did schindler's list with steve spielberg so i end up at, at steve zalian's house and i'm sitting on the beach at his beach house with his wife who's washing the dog and Sasha's having a discussion with, with Steve in the, in the kitchen as they're making coffee and he's going, who the fuck did you bring to my house, man? <laughs> so he goes, well, that's, that's Steve Lips Cudlow, man. It's from the band Anvil. Have you ever heard of him? He goes, no. And he goes, well, you know, they've got like fucking 12 albums out. You know, he's 50 years old and he's still trying to make it. And the guy just looks at him. He goes, now there is a fucking story, man. Right. Right? Yeah. So then, of course, ding, 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 the light bulb goes off in Sasha's head. I go home from, from L.A. A week later, I get a phone call from him. He goes, I'm coming back up to Toronto. I go, and you're coming back up to Toronto. What do you mean? What's going on? He goes, I need to talk to you. So I go pick him up at the airport, and he we, we drive over to his uncle's place that we've that I used to go there 25 years before. And he sits me down in the living room and he goes, listen, I'm going to make a movie about you. And I just about fucking passed out. I started bawling my eyes out. I, I couldn't believe what the fuck I'm hearing. Yeah. Because right at that moment, I realized my fucking ship just came in. Yeah. Yeah. Like, all that time. Holy fuck, man. Are you kidding me? 
this is how it worked out. Mm-hmm. And of course, it, it it came to reason to me in 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 a, in a in a quick flash that all the shit that I'd been through was all for this moment. Yeah. And and it was uh, and you when something like that happens, you really all of a sudden your life comes into complete focus. It's absolutely incredibly overwhelming. Right. Yeah, and he's freaking out like this, and he's going, "What the fuck is your fucking problem, man?" <laughs> and I'm trying to explain it to him, and he's going, "Listen, I know that you're 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 psyched out and you're freaking out right now, but come on, man, we got a long, long journey, okay? Before you, I mean, you're seeing red carpets and fucking spotlights. You better fucking calm down, right?" <laughs> Whatever I I was convinced, I'm complete was completely convinced this is going to be the this is it. Yeah. Um, and I was essentially, and I was right because Mm -hmm. nothing's been the same ever since. Really? At all? Nothing's. I mean, I'm living the dream. I haven't I haven't been back to a regular job in 13 years. Oh wow! The band has not stopped working and putting out albums. Yeah. And that. And that's it. That's what happened. Wow. Wow, really worked out for you then. Yeah, I was going to ask you too if you were still working in the school or whatever you were working in. It was a school, right? You were a cafeteria. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, not in a school. I was working for, for a catering company. Oh, yes. Yep, that's right. Yep. Yeah. yeah. So that, that's how it ended up. So uh, it, it's it's quite remarkable. And here we are 13 years after that, after the, the movie had come out. What, what I'm telling you about all happened in 2005. Between yeah. 2005 and 2008, finally the movie comes out in 2008. Nothing, everything has changed. Right. The whole, the whole landscape and everything about what I'm doing and how I'm doing it and everything to do with my musical career is completely the opposite. Right. We have not stopped working and been in a in a in a total momentum that is absolutely unbelievable. And, you know, in, in retrospect and to look back and see and look at it all, nothing could have worked out better because ultimately, um, and this might sound weird. I had, I had a, a conversation with Lemmy in 1983 in a hotel room. Mm. I was going to ask you about this too. All right. Go ahead. A very, very famous <laughs> evening that I had with Lemmy, a, an all nighter uh, doing speed and drinking. Um, it, it just, it's just actually how everything kind of came together. We kind of looked at and saw the future in both of our eyes. Right. You know that that sounds like a weird thing to say, but, um, and I'm telling him all this stuff and he's going, well, in 10 years, somebody's going to tell you all this stuff. And sure enough that in that, not, and it was, it was closer to 20 years and it was Sasha saying everything to me. Yeah. And it was Sasha who made us made us into into stars and so far so so it's it's quite incredible the way that that things actually worked out it just it's just extremely magical right now, and you you got to be lucky man it's about being lucky it's about laying the foundation and spending the time and the effort and hard work and you stay at it long enough and work hard enough and be be as dedicated to something eventually you get lucky right yeah you got to be at the right place at the right time and sometimes it takes a long time for that combination to actually come to, come into play yeah of course um well, was there any uh, point during your your uh, career that you would want to just stop doing anvil no because it was it was it, it, the thing is we had made enough of an impression with our first three albums to actually to maintain our our all we had to do was maintain the the writing uh, writing and keep writing and putting out records and there were always labels in Europe very willing and able to put out our our product so yeah. that's how it ended up so we were able to finally, you know, here we were to go do our 13th album and the guy's running cameras, right? Right, yeah. And it changed everything forever. And that's it, That, that what can be said. But all during this period of time, you know, uh, I was I was able to keep regular a regular job 
Mm. You know, I, I bought my, my real estate and set my life up. I was able to raise my son. I was home all the time to give him his, his dinners on, at lunchtime and stuff. I, I, I got to live the a, sort of a regular life right. while I was still keeping my music going. Yeah. And then once, once the movie happened and everything, my son is already, is now in finishing university and I'm out touring all the time. I don't need to be home. Right. Yeah. Hey, so, so hey, that was the reason why <laughs> you got to yeah, stay home with your kid. Most uh, musicians don't get to do that and they miss their right. whole kid's life. So, and, and, and you know, uh, what I'm trying to say is all the obstacles uh, that Lemmy told me to watch out for. If you're going to get married, you better, you got to be home because if, 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 a woman needs a, a shoulder to lean on, and if your shoulder's not there, she'll find another one. Yeah, yeah. And 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 that is absolutely true. Although these are words of wisdom, you know, absolute one hundred percent wisdom. Yeah. And I was able to be home. I was able to to acquire my real estate. I was able to raise my 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 son. I was able to actually kind of establish myself mm. whilst still making music right keeping it alive and keeping the interest and keeping the the, the whole the whole furnace burning yeah. and then when sasha of course came along bingo right? right and now what a great retirement plan i don't have to, <laughs> i don't have to go to i don't have to i don't have to go and do physical hard labor like doing the deliveries like that yeah. and I, I travel all over the world and i don't the only responsibility that i have is to my wife Right. And and she comes out to to Europe and stuff every every now and again, which is wonderful because she gets to you know it's like I'm actually getting to enjoy all the stuff without it getting wrecked. Right. Yeah. From being in rock and roll, yeah. I got I got to I got to you know I got to the 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 detour. <laughs> I really got lucky in that certain sense. Yeah. And, I was able to avert all the, the problems that I'm sure uh, Bruce Dickinson would do anything to have had now right, that yeah. his has fallen apart and everything is going to shit and it's costing a million to dollars. I'm sure that he, well, I wish I had Lips's plan. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh boy. But uh, yeah, glad it worked out. Um, is your son into music or anything? Uh, well, you know what's really interesting. It's only only as of lately he uh, got he got he got suddenly interested enough to start playing guitar. Yeah. And I set him up. I gave him all the equi- I gave him equipment here. Start learning. Go ahead. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he was interested a little. You know, he said it, it, it's it's actually quite some of the stuff is really hilarious. You know, yeah. um, we sent him to day camp uh, when he was. I guess he was about. Uh, six or seven years old and we had turned him on to judas priest so the ripper became his ultimate favorite song uh-huh. so we, they picked him up in the in the bus and they're having all the kids singing you know the wheels on the bus go round and round <laughs> you're in for a surprise or a shock anyway they're hearing this kid singing he's singing the ripper and they're next thing you know the phone is ringing and they're going uh your son is singing some pretty nasty lyrics you know <laughs> i'm the devil in surprise you know i'm the devil in disguise yeah. and it's like okay uh avery maybe you shouldn't be singing that at, <laughs> at day camp <laughs> I'm, tr- I'm trying to get, i got a three-year-old son i'm trying to get him into some stuff too he likes a couple things here and there but he's, he can't get away from peppa pig and sesame street so It'll take yeah, some time. It's actually pretty <laughs> neat when you watch them kind of develop on develop their own uh, tastes and stuff. He really got yeah. after he heard TNT and uh, uh, what do you call it, ACDC. He really got into ACDC and and uh, I guess by the time he was five or six, they had that big SARS festival here in Toronto. Okay, yep. You know, we took him to see ACDC, and I had him on on my shoulders, and he's doing the devil sign, and he's like five years old. So, I, of course, after all after all said and done, a few years later, of course, the movie had come out, and we got to open for ACDC, and I took my son. My son came with to the shows, 
and he got to meet Angus. <laughs> wow. So it's like a pretty remarkable uh, turn of events. And, uh, you know, and then I guess uh, some time after that, he had really started acquiring his own taste. And he mm. became, uh, if, if you ever heard of Billy Talent, he started. Yeah, it's a Canadian band that's uh, sort of like um sort of like a Green Day kind of style, that kind of era. Okay. Sort of a new new age punky rock. Mm-hmm. And he got into that and we were playing we were playing some festival and they were at it and of course they were big Anvil fans and they invited us onto the tour bus and I took my son with and it's like my son is meeting all these all of his favorite bands. He's like losing his mind. <laughs> but what a way for the kid to kind of he's, gets into stuff. And the next thing you know, he's meeting the guys. And, and then he got Green Day. And I know Doug Goodman, their, their uh, tour manager. So I got invited down to that. And wow. So my son got to meet the guys in Green Day. It's like my, my son has really had the, the opportunity to really have some absolutely stellar moments yeah yeah of course not too many kids can say that it's cool yeah so it was kind of really cool for for but at, but at the same time he never really had the interest mm-hmm. in music to, to actually learn and i tried to teach him i tried to talk him into it and he, he just didn't want to know it's like that's what you do i don't want to do that you know right, yeah yeah how many kids want to do what their father does you know yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, you know, now he's like 21, 22, and he's like, like, all of a sudden he's got this interest. Now I want to learn how to play guitar. Oh, so wow. I set him up and he's been noodling and I've been turning him on to stuff like Jeff Beck and stuff like that. Mm. Now, are you teaching him? Um, no, mm. no, he's actually doing it all on his own. Oh, okay. You know, when you got the internet, he doesn't need me. You know, it's yeah, he's learning so. how to read uh, what do you call it charts and you know tab and all that shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going to sit down. What am I going to teach him that he can't learn off the internet? That's true. That's true. I mean, honestly, really, you know. <laughs> but I mean, God, the the shit that you come up with on a guitar it just amazes me. Like it's just like album after album, you come up with such good good guitar riffs and stuff. It, it's just amazing. Even like on the new album, it's just the the stuff that you do, even your guitar solos are, are just awesome. And I was I was reading something earlier, and I didn't even know about this. Uh, let me ask you to join Motorhead at one point. Yes, that's right. And you turned it down. I had no choice. Why? I was in the middle of re- the middle of recording my third album. I had enough going on during that third album. <laughs> yeah, but it was Motorhead. <laughs> recording that third album, and David Krebs is is telling us to come and fucking tour with Aerosmith. Lemmy's asked me to join Motorhead. It's like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Just let me get my job done. You know what I mean? I want to get the album done. As it was, we had to start all over again when we got back from the Aeros- Aerosmith run. <laughs> right, yeah. What year was that? In 83. 83, all right. <laughs> who, left, who left Motorhead at that point? Of 83, man. Who left? Who was um, the guitar player at Motorhead that had left? It was it was Eddie Clark. It was okay, yeah. Wow, wow, you could have had a spot in Motorhead, but hey, it worked out for you anyway, so it doesn't matter, I guess, right? Well, I mean, Motorhead was around well, forever it too. May so. not have worked out if I'd been in Motorhead. Right. You know, maybe that's not working out. That's it's not working out, and I wouldn't have been with Rob and the Fortune oh, Five. I mean, ended up working out. You being happened, staying with and either, and, and either would the other. Ten other albums that I recorded. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's a lot that wouldn't have happened. There would have been no Anvil movie. It would have been really changed history in a huge way. Yeah. Yeah, you could have got kicked out of the Motorhead the first week you were there, and then you would have screwed Anvil up, I guess, right? You That's never know. Right. No. <laughs> there's no way we'll ever know what would have happened or what would have occurred or what the songs would have been like. Yeah. Yeah. You would have did a good job, though. Like I said, your guitar playing is excellent. Um. So uh, how is Rob? Is uh, you guys get along? I guess fairly well because you've been, you you two have been with each other forever, right? Yeah, it's forty-seven years. Wow, that's a long time. Not too yeah. many bands around that can say that, except for I guess Kiss, maybe, right? Yeah, I'm sure Gene and Paul have been playing together for the, for the, for that kind of length of time. Yeah. I don't think it's that unusual. I mean, come on, I I think that I think obviously. 
uh, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, right? Yeah. yeah, I guess that's true too. But you, you, you and Rob still like each other, right? I don't know if those other guys like each other. <laughs> oh, a lot of them are just doing I, it for the money. They, I don't know that they don't. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't I be so. I wouldn't be too certain that they don't. When you've got the kind of money that we're talking about that these individuals have, they can do anything they want. They don't need to do anything. Yeah, that's true. They could stop tomorrow and not bother with anything at all, never mind play together. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So what keeps you keep uh, uh, to keep going with uh, Anvil, especially how old are you now? I'm, I'm 63. I'm going to be 64 uh-huh. in a few weeks. Yeah. Wow, that's great. That's cool. Especially playing that you know the the nineties the, the when I was doing all that physical labor kept me in good shape, man. Yeah. You must be because you're you're playing like you're at your age, there's not many bands playing the speed that you guys are playing and the heaviness that you guys are playing. I mean it's insane. You guys don't slow down, you don't write no ballads. It's the massive tours too. Who's yeah. doing fifty shows in a Who's doing 50 shows these days? Yeah. Who is in their 60s? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah, not many. But, uh, yeah, you guys don't really write any ballads or anything. You're, you're writing the heaviest stuff because there's, like, a, a lot of other bands that, um, you know, are older. And you can tell when they're writing, like, they slowed down the music. And they're, it just sounds like older person's people's music, you know, in a way. But you guys don't. You sound like a, a younger band. And it's it's amazing. <sighs> Staying relevant. See, we're not a hit single band. No. We never have been. But you do have some hit singles. Yeah, that you're never going to hear on the radio. Right. A million yeah. fucking years. <laughs> do, you, do you need that in this day and age, though, with the, the way you no, like you Spotify? Don't any, you never needed it at any point because that's not what metal, real metal music is about. It's not about that. Right. It's about the fans and the band. Yeah. It's not about radio play and what some somebody is for force feeding a, an audience to listen to. Right. It's not about that, and you don't want to be part of that. But you know, having said all that, in order to really make it big, there are a number of things that really need to be in place. And like Lemmy said in the Anvil movie, you got to be at the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. Now. There's there, there's a lot of wisdom and truth in what he's saying, but not only do you have to be at the right place at the right time, it's with the right people. Right. And it's not about the members in your band. It's about the people that are doing business yeah. for your band and with your band. Yeah. And and then there's the, the, the sheer luck of it all and striking the right chord at the right time with the hum, with the people out there, with the sheep. Yeah. Having the right song and having the right song at the right time. Um, you know, Sammy Hagar, I had, we had a, a long discussion with him and he started telling me about, you gotta get lucky. He says, right. man, look at all the fucking songs I've written in my career. And I wrote, I can't drive 55 and it finally fucking happens. He says, <laughs> right. I got lucky. One day I got lucky. And all that fucking shit and all the songs I've written, I got lucky once. <laughs> and I've still been looking for another one, and I can't find it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's getting lucky, man, you know. Yeah. Um, this particular album, and it's like I – and he's right, because you always do the best you can. You always have a, come up with great ideas, and you come up with a magical riff, and you come up with whatever lyrics and whatever, and you, you hope that the combinations – click and then you put the record out you got to hope that the people like it and all the, all the the different the different facets and di- combination and then you see what happens in this particular case like as an example i i write the riff i write this riff and and um we go out on the road and we get I, we get we get uh we go to, to colorado some friend of mine gives me a a, a handful of pot in, in, a, in a little tiny a plastic bag and i wrap it in kleenex stick it in my pocket across the border i see drug dogs on patrol <laughs> all fucking freaked out i put i put the fucking pot on the on the on the on the dashboard moving my fanny pack out of the way i'm trying to stuff it down my pants i roll the window down because i'm getting all fucking sweaty because i'm nervous and the pot flies out the window and the cop sees it oh my god <laughs> so they pull us over they fucking bust me Bust me for littering and and for a gram of pot. Three hundred and fifty bucks later, and a and a fucking 
and and a, and I'm fucking almost shitting my pants. Find out that okay, well, there's no criminal charge, and here I am in the USA. I'm a Canadian citizen. I'm thinking, oh, now I'm going to yeah. fucking jail, and I'm getting right. deported. Right? Oh, yeah. great. And none of that happened. It's just like wow. they take our pot, they take my pot away, they give me a, a fucking ticket, and I go ahead, guys, see you later. And the next thing I know, I'm going, okay, give me a piece of paper. I write down all the fucking, I write down all, I write a, a whole fucking poem story out of it. We get, and then I realize, oh, fuck, I got a great riff for this. Yeah. Fit, fit all the lyrics on it, fit all the song. Next thing I know, I'm going, wow, that's fucking, what a great fucking song this is making. So we're yeah. finishing the song and we need a, a, a somebody to help us with an album cover that the, an artist comes down and goes, Hey, that's a great song. I th- I can make a fucking I can make a fucking cartoon video out of this <laughs> cartoon video. Wow, wait a minute, and it's a okay lyric video. Wait a minute, cartoon video lyrics, right? Fucking amazing. Who no one's ever done this, and it's like Bing 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 Bing. It's that lucky magic, yeah. right? And there you got your nabbed in Nebraska. Yeah, that's my favorite song of this new album. Yeah, right, and and that's how stuff like that happens. It's not because you planned it. It's not because you know. It's just shit falls into place. It's the Sammy Hagar theory of of making it. You get yeah. fucking lucky, man. <laughs> yeah. Who's, who's um? Are you singing? Is everybody singing in the band singing backups? This or do you have like special guest singing backups? Because I know there's like well, a big are, thing. In, 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 we have you know when we were in Germany, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of talent and friends around and we've got a, a great a great a great production crew and um when we needed some backup vocals particularly gang vocals we invited a whole bunch of guys into the studio and they came and did it um but um the the, the other magical aspect is finding the right bass player that 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 can do great backup vocals so mm. you got it's the best combination we've ever had that's more of getting lucky yeah. not just i mean you can plan stuff all you know best laid plans you know what i mean right and it yeah. still works but it's when you actually let things happen and grow and and mature in its own way that you get the get this kind of thing going on and you know we're at we're at a place in in and time in our our career i think that we're hitting that really good moment you know so yeah. hopefully everything will click and we'll get that luck and that the right people in the right place and you know we're with a new record label and new people promoting us and maybe we'll, record, we'll, uh, maybe we'll get a little bit bigger and we'll grow a bit bigger and we'll get more even more successful and i'll have even more fun yeah i hope so what <laughs> uh, label are you on now <laughs> what, what was that more fun and more, more, more great, uh, more money in my retirement, yeah. in my retirement plan. <laughs> uh, what record label are you on now? A AFM. Oh, AFM. Okay, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, Dustin Hardman is doing our promotion. Who is yeah, really superb. Yep, yep. I constantly get his emails, and that's uh, that's how I set up this interview with you through him. Um. Yeah, the, the, the new album's awesome. Uh, Legal at Last, I love that song too, the the uh, opening track. Um, now, track number three, Chemtrails. Are you a, well, a conspiracy theorist? No, it's not. It's Yeah, it's a conspiracy. Is it a conspiracy? <laughs> it's just because, show me the science, show me the proof. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, what are you, a god guy? Where's the science? Where's the proof? <laughs> Come on, man. Isn't God a conspiracy theory? Yes, he is. It is. Right? <laughs> it is. Like, yep. What the fuck, man? But but yet when you can see see chemtrails in the sky, you've got checkerboards in the sky right in front of your eyes. Oh, it's just it's just regular passenger planes leaving right, yeah. sky. Yeah. And meanwhile, those streaks sit there for six hours. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yep. That, that's no conspiracy. There's yeah. something going on. Oh, there definitely is. You know, some people don't want to admit it. It's it's like you know, hey. Greta, Greta is 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 being paid to to say all this stuff about the environment. Like, what the fuck? What's the truth, man? Right? How dare you? That's what you want to believe? <laughs> what the fuck is that? Right. And they and they pick a, a child to uh, to you know do that you know to try to you know pull on everybody's I'm, heart. He's not just picked. 
She's 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 a men's uh, student. She's a fucking genius kid. Yeah. That's not just a fucking. It's you know, and people don't want to know about that. Yeah. The information is there, but oh God forbid you should read about it or find find out the information. She, it's actually legitimate shit. Mm. Yeah. People don't. You, you, she's not being paid. Uh, I don't know if she's being paid, but she might be being taught. Everybody has their doubts, right? right. Everybody has their doubts. I'm, I, I, I'm just, I just see things for what they are. I don't, I don't listen, and I'm, I'm not even on Facebook. I, yeah. I, I can't handle it anymore. Yeah, I noticed you left. <laughs> yeah, everybody's opinions and everybody's, everybody's full of shit because yes. no one is reading, no. right? And if you don't read, you're not going to find out the information, and you got to read the right in the right places. That means not not the not not the National Enquirer, right? <laughs> okay, and and even even when you're reading uh, stuff like uh, the New York Times, you got to kind of question that because where are they getting their information from? Right, so yeah, it, yeah, you got to be careful, and, and that's what I'm saying. What's the truth? It's what you right. want to believe. Yeah. So you know, people don't want to hear the truth, and and you know, in in the sense that, especially if it costs money, mm. it's money out of your own pocket. Then it's all bullshit, right? Right. I don't yeah. we, we're all in denial of that 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 humanity has actually caused a lot of damage to this fucking planet. No one wants to be accountable. No one wants to be responsible, and certainly no one wants to pay for it. Right. So where are we? What are we doing? Yeah. So you know that that these are all these are all the questions. A lot of stuff. It's like why is marijuana? Why was marijuana made illegal? Right. Come on, yeah, man. Well, people, people, you got to ask that question. Why right. was it made illegal? Right. Especially when virtually there was no there was no uh, information. There was no no research. No one knows what the fuck is going on with it, or, or especially in the 1930s. But right. what they did know is they know they knew that if they if they let that that plant be grown and it to be manufactured and be looked looked after, it was going to fucking destroy destroy the cotton industry, mm. the, the pulp and paper industry, the lumber industry. Yeah. It was a huge, massive threat to the to the to the national economy of the world. Yeah, yeah Make it's all it about legal. all about money. All about money, because yeah. but trust me when I tell you, and you don't even have to trust me. You, everybody knows, the government doesn't give a shit what's good for you or bad for you. No. All they care about is money. Exactly. And if they if they, if they did care, we wouldn't be smoking cigarettes. We right. would be, We certainly wouldn't be drinking alcohol. And these are these are addictive drugs. Yeah. This is real. That is really addictive drugs. Marijuana is not addictive, right? And it, it, it's far less harmful in in the sense for on on a on a on a health health wise than alcohol or cigarettes. But yeah. that's besides the point, right? But yeah. what is it going to do to our economy? But now that when they, when they they take a look at the, the whole situation and they go, hey, wait a minute. They're looking at Colorado. They're, what? They're out. They're out of debt. What do you mean? They're making fucking money. Wait, we gotta get in on this, right? Yeah. And now all of a sudden, it's all cool. Let's legalize it. And then, then they get an intelligent. Well, people are driving around high. Well, people have been driving around high for fifty fucking years. Exactly. But, but what are they thinking? Hey, we can charge people with driving impaired. So right. there's more money to be made. Yeah, like you just look at what, what one thing leads to another. It's what a fucking world we're living in, man. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's insane. That I even when my kid, I hate to have, like bring my kid up into this shit. You know, it's just it's insane. Well, it's just we're we're cavemen with computers, right? Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. we're still still we're still fighting over whose god is better when you can't prove that there is right. one. You can't even yeah, exactly. It's, it makes no sense. <laughs> and, and, and meanwhile, they could have had they could have had batteryized cars from fifty, sixty years ago, if right. not longer. And who knows where we would be with battery technology if they had started with it instead of instead of trying to put it away? Because of course, the oil companies let's let's abolish it. Right. 
Yeah. Can't let that happen. But what did we do? To, what did we do? We kept on building, building fossil fuel engines that pollute our air, and then we've got fucking we've got we got to we got to send airplanes up to to, to emit alumina to to <laughs> sunlight to keep keep the, the 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 temperature of the planet down, and that's called chemtrails. But we can't we can't that doesn't exist. That's not real. That's that's a conspiracy theory, right? <laughs> you know we. Can't let marijuana. Marijuana. You can make diesel fuel. You can make plastics and plastics and 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 fabric. Fabric. So that, you know, instead of having blue jeans, we'd have green jeans, and, and they'd last for twenty years. But that would have put Levi's out of business. So we got to make sure marijuana stays illegal. Like it's right. it's just a fucking crazy world, man. It is crazy. Now you guys legalized it over there. What? Uh, two years ago. Yeah, it's, years it's, ago. It's, yeah, it's about a year and a half ago now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they still didn't legalize it here in New York yet. It was no. like October seventeenth, uh, the year of, a year ago, a year and a half ago, right? Oh, okay. It was yeah, right. Yeah, they still didn't legalize it here. I mean, I think you get like the liquid thing or so. I don't know. I don't smoke anyway, but still. Yeah. The other, the other two guys I do the it, show with. Huh? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I, I. I I kind of quit because I, I, I quit cigarette smoking mm. and I was smoking pot with, with my tobacco and the, and I'm, and tobacco is being like addicted to fucking heroin, man. Right. To, to quit tobacco is a real serious fucking thing, man. So I had to quit smoking pot in order to do it because I was doing it together. And it's like, I got it. They both got to go. <laughs> and, so I'm I'm at the point where I don't really smoke anything. Right. Um, on occasion, I will smoke a pipe load of pot, sit right. down at my computer, and write thirty songs. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's the only time I'll smoke because it's like, it's like opening the door to your imagination right. when you when you do that. And especially if you stop smoking, you really get high. Mm. And and all the bottled up energy and and ideas come out really easy when you smoke. Yeah, so and it's right here, and that's that's what I and it's so to me that's I, now I'm using the drug properly. Hmm. All right, yeah, to be creative. It is, the, the abuse of it is when you use it and you get so used to it that now you're smoking to get normal. Right. <laughs> and it's not a it, it's not addiction. Right. It's, it's it really it, there is no such thing as mar- being addicted to marijuana. I had no problem stopping smoking pot. The mm-hmm. big problem was stopping tobacco. Yeah, yeah you never believable, man. Yeah. yeah, you never hear any uh, pills being uh, made to you know stop you from smoking marijuana. It's always like cigarettes or something, you know. No, no, you you don't. There, massive, massive difference. And people are really, I mean, even coffee is much more addictive than pot. You can't overdose on pot. Right. Yeah. And that tells, that's got to tell you something right there. Have you ever heard of anybody overdosing on marijuana? Never no, heard. Sir. It's not going to happen. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> um, so how did, how, how is this uh, album different from like the last time? Like, did you record this any differently or, um, you use any different instruments or anything or you pretty much record always the same? Yeah, we just go in and record as a band the same old way. You oh, know? so you actually like go into a studio and practice with each other and everything? I guess you have time now because you don't got any jobs. So <laughs> that's right. Yeah. That's right. We write all the songs in, in our rehearsal studio, rehearse for, you know, a good four months before going into the recording studio, bang out the bed tracks in two, three days, yeah. and I do the rest of the work. Wow. <laughs> really cool. Yeah, a lot of bands don't do that. Everybody's, like, even, uh, I have a band, and it's just me and my friend, and uh, we share files back and forth on the computer. We don't go into a studio anymore. It's, you know, it's we just don't have the time to do that. But it's good to know that you, you know, get together with the guys and actually put the music together. Yeah, we record it like a real band. You yeah. and Rob plays the bed track top to bottom. Yeah, we, the whole band plays as a band. So right. the, the, the the there's a bed track that you know the basic fundamental tracks are done as a band. Mm. Yeah, I think and, that makes the songs better. 
You don't use click tracks. You don't use any of that shit. So it has a real natural feel. We do it really old school style, but yeah. with modern technology. Right. Yeah, you can tell that you guys, you know, do that because, you know, a lot of bands, you can tell that they're, you know, doing like what I do or, or you know, playing with the click track because everything is just always on time and everything. And it's just uh, so unrealistic. It doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel, it feels robotic, you know, and your stuff doesn't at all. Especially with uh, Rob's drums. I mean, he's a big, I'm a drummer. He's a big influence on me with his drums ever since I, you know, found out you guys. And uh, just hearing the way Rob plays drums and just how he, I guess he almost has like a, like a jazz uh, feel to him. Like he's a, like a, kind of like a jazz drummer, maybe. Yeah, well, it's the influence. We, we, we both love Buddy Rich. We're mm-hmm. Buddy Rich fanatics, actually. Oh, really? <laughs> Although I'm a guitar player, I love drumming. Yeah. I, I love the art of drumming, and I, I have a very deep appreciation and understanding into that instrument. Yeah. You know, and I think what makes Anvil really ultimately different from most bands, it's a drum-oriented it's drum oriented music. It is. Yeah. yeah. We are specifically doing stuff for the sake of the feel more more so than anything else. All but right. that's that's really the center focus and it always has been. And mm. the music is being written by a drummer and a guitar player. Not right. not a guitar player and a singer. Right. <laughs> and, and and now having said that, that's why it's so integral and became so integral to listen to Anvil, uh, like other musicians like Metallica and stuff like that. It's because it's, it's because it is centered around drums and let's face it. Heavy metal drumming is what makes it drumming metal or what makes metal metal. A riff is a riff, but what are you playing to it? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to have double bass or something. You, you can play you can play a single bass drum beat to, to a speed riff, but it's not the same as playing a double bass drum beat right. to that speed riff. Right. And Rob was one of the first guys to to kind of do that. Yeah. So it became, and these were the things that we discovered uh, as young guys. Uh, it wasn't, it wasn't done with, oh, we're going to teach the world a new method. It was like, oh, this is fucking cool. Check mm. this out. Yeah. More like that. Yeah. yeah. He, he reminds me a lot of, uh, Garl Samuelson from, um, Megadeth, like the original drummer from Megadeth. Right. He has a, a very similar style to him. And, uh, yeah, he's just, he's, uh, Rob's awesome. He still do, does his painting and stuff. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, he, who did the artwork for this album? He didn't do this one, right? No, no, he did it for the Anvil is Anvil. That was yeah, yeah. Rob's. He's very, he's very much into still life yeah. uh, stuff like that, and that's how that came to be. And it was his, it was his idea that once we came up with Anvil is Anvil, he's going. That's re- I, I know exactly what I want to do. I'm going to put an anvil in a mirror. Right. Anvil is Anvil, and I went, fuck, that's great. I love it. <laughs> You know, a lot of people went, well, that's such a stagnant cover. It's so fucking, to me, it's so pure. Right. How pure can you get? You got you got the drummer of the band created the album cover. You right. know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's like, and the album is called Anvil is Anvil. It's like, right. it can be more pure than that. <laughs> yeah, it works. Um, you have a favorite song off your new album? Uh, probably Said and Done. Oh, really? Yeah, and because of the philosophy of it. Which is what? Basically, to be the best you can possibly be and do the best you possibly can and have no regrets mm. with your life. Yeah. So, I mean, I, th- I think that, that, that that's pretty much my kind of theme of my life is to not have regrets, to do everything that I possibly can, the best I can, so that I, I, I don't, I don't feel sorry or fucking fucked up later, right. you know. Yeah. Yeah. And that yeah. includes, like I, like we talked about, uh, making sure my marriage worked, making sure I was there for my, my son and my kid, my my kids, and my to have to have the things in life that are important, and make sure that they're they're nurtured and looked after and appreciated. Yeah. It's being and doing the best you can. 
and without having to have any regrets. And that's what that song's about. So to me, it's kind of um, a theme for myself. So I think that's why I like it. And that and the fact that it's so Sabbathy, which is my all-time favorite band of. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Right. Real cool. Do you, do you still talk to um, what was the name? Uh, your old bass player that was in the movie John Five. Is that his name? Or oh, Rob Glenn Five. No. Glenn Five. Yes, yeah, Glenn Five. You don't no. Talk to him at all? No. Um, a lot of bad blood. Really. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, he became very, very envious and jealous and in competition with Rob and I. That just doesn't work. You know? It was the shame because he was with you guys for a very long time. Well, you know what? <laughs> it's not a shame when you get the right guy in hmm. replacement. All right. All right. Well, everybody, please go check out uh, Anvil's new album. Uh, it is called Legal at Last. Last. <laughs> Legal at Last. And uh, it is released, well, he says February 4th, February 14th. Amazon says February 21st. So just go buy it for wherever it comes out first. And uh, anything else you want to tell us before we leave? No, just how grateful I am that I got to talk to you and that, uh, you know, it was a great interview. I think I covered just about everything and anything. I think so. I think so. And we're not getting any more new bass players, right? We said on this one? No, I think we're real set on this one. All right. So. No more. It, it, it really worked out. It got the right guy. Yeah. It's really the right guy. And what, but most importantly, he's my friend. And yeah. fucking, he sing great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's all that matters. As long as everything's working out. Yeah, the singing, singing is, a, is actually more, is almost more important than any kind of a, other accompaniment. Because yeah. it's out front stuff, yeah. you know. You think- when you hear legal, 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 it's like it's like the Three Stooges. It sounds fucking awesome. Right? Will you ever let him sing his own song? Maybe once. Uh, I don't think he really wants to. No. You know, that's a thing. He's not really he's not really up for that kind of thing. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, thank you very much. I really appreciate it, and uh, I had fun talking to you. Okay. Th- have a All good. Right. And yeah. I'll speak to you again sometime, man. Individual behavior with no foreseeable.